We are Danny and Marcus Delalio, and welcome to Deep Diving Delalios. So welcome to our fourth episode of Deep Diving Delalios, um, our first series where we are going through the events of 9-11, kind of what led up to it and everything. And this week and next week, this is going to be a two-parter, we are going through the events of United 93. So we've already covered the first two planes that hit the Twin Towers along with the Pentagon, and now we are diving into this. So this is going to be pretty heavy, um, but we're going to tackle it the best that we can. Possibly can, yeah. Yes. We, as always, like to start by thanking our Patreon members. If you are over there, hi. We really appreciate your assistance in doing this. We are doing this all on our own. Um, So Mama Allie... Back. Big Love shout there. out to mm-hmm. Mama Ali. And if you join our Patreon and subscribe to the Big D, you too can get a shout out at the beginning of each of our episodes. So we're going to be diving into the events before um, United 93 was hijacked just a little bit. We are not going to be diving completely into the hijackers in this episode. We will be talking about them, their training, how they ended up over here, and what the whole catalyst was for these attacks. That's a completely different episode, but we are going to kind of graze over especially one of the hijackers today, Ziad Jara. He's the alleged pilot hijacker of United 93. And there would be some speculation that as to whether he was a victim or a hijacker at one point in time. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were telling me a bit about him. Yes. yes. So we'll be diving into all of that because he was filed as a missing person in Germany. Like there was a whole thing. His family does not believe that he was involved in this. We will be talking about that at a later date, especially since he was extremely unlike the other hijackers, but we'll be touching on it in this episode. We're also going to be touching on in the next couple of weeks. Um, well, the fifth hijacker there, this is the only plane out of the four that day to fly out that had only four hijackers on board. So where's the fifth hijacker? So we're going to be touching on him as well. We kind of touched on him in our first episode too, and what happened to him afterwards. Um, and then we are going to be also touching on the possibility of a suspected fifth plane. Mm. Um, that's been up for debate for years now. Now I will say concerning Ziad Jara, there was a video of himself. So there was little to no paper trail connecting him to the other hijackers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And our FBI said something that was so racist after these attacks, I want to say. They were like, yeah, we know who hijacked United 93 based on their Arabic names. So that's how they at first decided who were the terrorists aboard United 93. Because unlike American 11, the um, flight attendants hadn't gotten the, 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 in American 11, they said like these guys were in this seat, this seat, and this seat within 20 minutes, American airlines knew who the hijackers were. But we didn't have that kind of information when it came to United 93. And so our government was just like, yeah, we guessed by the, the guys with the Arabic name. So that is where a lot of conspiracy theories come into play as well of who were the hijackers of United 93. We will go through all of these suspicions in a future episode, but our focus is going to be mainly on was the lead up to the attacks and the attacks. There was an article I read on Ziad that reported that he traveled from Karachi to Dubai. I may be mispronouncing that. I'm so sorry. That's the only way I've ever heard it pronounced. Karachi? Yeah. Um, On January 30th, 2000. Okay. He was to change planes in Amsterdam and then he was going to finally end up in Hamburg. Germany, which is where they were all going to school and everything else, right? So he was returning from a trip to the Tarnak Farms, which I'm also probably mispronouncing, but this was known as an Al-Qaeda training camp, all right? This is where, like, Osama bin Laden was, where they were training these guys. Mm. 
This is where he's believed to have filmed a martyrdom slash will video with Muhammad Atta. So there was no paper trail connecting Ziad and um, Muhammad Atta for the longest time, okay? And then suddenly, I think it was in 2003, this video of them is released with them laughing and carrying on, but it's silent, okay? We can't hear anything. So the, it was just the video that was released. There was no audio with this. For whatever reason, we reported it as a martyrdom slash will video. There's nothing I can find that supports that except for the fact that apparently there was paperwork at one. You can't find the video, by the way. You cannot find the full video, which is really weird to me. Um, but there, which is crazy because I can right now I could probably go online and find the full uh, Saddam Hussein execution video. Oh, I yeah. Anyways. But it's crazy that you can't find that video. And the, and the only reason they said that that was supposedly their martyrdom will video was apparently there was a piece of paper that had the Arabic word for will on it. And so then the news, the media was like obviously making it very sinister, mm. playing weird music over top of it. And like, you know, these guys laughing about the attacks. We don't know what they were talking about. And yeah, yeah. they weren't great men, obviously. But you're um, also talking about the same kind of people that like always do the... Um, you know, he was a great husband and a father and then put the picture in negative and until he wasn't. Dun, dun, dun. It's very clickbaity. Yeah. So, yeah, there. it's, to me, I'm like, unless we know for sure that that was the deal, like... Times of London is saying the tape shows Atta reading a document marked as a will in Arabic. Atta was at the controls of the first plane to hit the World Trade Center. The Sunday Times of London is planning to release the entire video on Sunday. The Faces of Terror, a video showing 9-11 ringleader Mohammed Atta and hijacker Ziad Jara surfaces six years after it was made. It shows the terrorists laughing and joking before reading their last will and testament. A British newspaper posted the tape on the web. A chilling look at two of the 9-11 hijackers, more than one year before the attacks. Ringleader Mohammed Atta laughing and joking with another hijacker, Ziad Zara. Zara, who piloted United Airlines Flight 93, which crashed into a Pennsylvania field. The video is dated January 18th, 2000. It's silent, and lip readers reportedly haven't yet been able to figure out exactly what they're saying. I don't yeah. know. I just and, felt like it and was... And without the audio, it's quite legitimately impossible to know. Because a lot of those, just speaking from experience, learning um, Hebrew, and maybe, you know, I'm not that well versed in Hebrew. It is really hard to tell just by reading someone's lips what they're saying uh, with those older languages. They're very guttural. Right? They're very down here. Um, so unlike English or French or Spanish and stuff like that, where your lips and tongue are moving a lot, it's a very like, you know. Mm -hmm. So he's traveling back from these farms, right? And... While he's doing that in Dubai, in the Dubai airport, he's pulled over by UAE, so the United Arab Emirates security officials, for questioning. Now, officials would later tell CNN in 2002 that this interrogation was on behalf of the CIA. The C ah. Yes, the CIA ah. would immediately deny this. Our favorite friends. So, reportedly, he was interrogated for four hours. So, this is a quote from one of the articles I found, but he was detained and questioned at length. And they still insist it was because the CIA gave them a tip-off of, like, hey, he's coming back from these training farms. So, this is a quote. Which, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me get on something real quick. So... Um, as you guys know, if you've watched the other videos, I'm more of the conspiracy theory guy. 
she is the um, real hard facts. The basic yes. Basics, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I have not looked into the basic facts. I like to be surprised on these videos, and whenever the CIA is mentioned, I wish I could say I was surprised. Um, they're not like it, it's it's the CIA, the same people that basically coined the term conspiracy theorist whenever yeah. anybody starts talking about something like this. Um, yeah, those would be the kind of guys because aside from him, his traveling and stuff like that, which he wasn't taking planes or trains to get to these training camps because no. they're out in the middle of nowhere. You know, like take for example the the training that I went to in California. It's in Death Valley. We took buses to get there. Yes, we flew into the state of California, but it's all the way down in Death Valley. We had to drive there ourselves. No tracking, no GPS. We're not buying tickets, nothing like that. Um, Of course, we're with a federal organization, so there's a paperwork trail. But these guys are a guerrilla warfare unit, so it's nothing is going to be tracked. So I don't know if Dubai, no offense to Dubai, I don't know if they would be like, we Wait a know, minute. Yeah, we yeah. know these people have gone there. But we the know, CIA would. Oh, the CIA would, yeah. We've had spy satellites for God knows how long. So this is a quote from one of the articles I found. It said, when officials opened his bag, Ziad's bag, they found jihadist videotapes and religious tracts. A page of the Quran was stuck into his passport. He made no secret of having been in Afghanistan. A page of the Quran. Uh-huh. Now, in the comments, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that is sacrilegious. That's what I'm wondering, too. To take, like a, to to take a page. Hang on. Because for, if you rip it from the Bible, that's sacrilegious. It's not as sacrilegious. When you talk about different religions, there's a bunch of different, like, pomp and circumstance that go with um, their holy books. Um, and I will say, when we get into Ziad more, he was not like any of the other hijackers. The other hijackers, for the most part, weren't really close with their family didn't have any friends. They were very strict religious-wise. Ziad was not like that. Ziad was engaged at one point in time. Like, he had a lot going for him. Um, He was not religious at all. He was very school-based. I don't understand why he was involved in this. Okay. When you compare him to the others. Okay, Seattle Times. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. The Seattle Times posted... Oh, no. Posted a thing. Why burning a Quran offends Muslims? It's like, <laughs> of course. Burning a Bible offends Christians. Burning the Torah uh, offends Jews. Like, what are you talking about? But anyways, so all I can find about it mm-hmm. is that there is a res- there's a respectful if if your Quran has been um, mortally wounded in some way, mm-hmm. um, there's a respectful way to burn it, um, and that is uh, laid out in other texts. However. There's a bunch of posts from like Reddit, which, but a bunch of posts from like Reddit, Quora, and stuff like that asking what to do if even a page is folded in it. Oh, really? So, yeah, ripping a page out would not, unless they have a different interpretation um, of uh, Islam, Mm -hmm. that's like, I feel like that's not a cool thing to do. I feel like you wouldn't want to do that right before you're about to initiate um, a, a jihad. Yeah. But, what do I know? So he made no secret of having been in Afghanistan, and he did not mention that he had been at a training camp. When asked where he was going now, he replied matter-of-factly that he would soon be traveling to the United States for pilot training. The Dubaians then called the CIA station at the U.S. Embassy, the Lebanese official, because Ziad was actually, he was from Lebanon, just by the way. Oh, um, okay, that's different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. 
Um, the Lebanese official told me and recounted the conversation to one of the counterparts here, or there, excuse me. He didn't seem interested, the official went on, and he told the Dubaians to let Ziad go. When I mentioned the Dubai airport incident to a relative of Ziad's, he exploded. They arrest him at Dubai airport at the request of the CIA. He had just come out of Pakistan. He trained in Afghanistan. He told the Dubaians that he was going to the United States, and the Americans let him go. And then, within months, they give him a multiple entry visa to the States. Why? Well, I mean, and th this is what's so confusing, is because uh, we broke international law, the United States did. Uh, we went into Pakistan when we killed Osama bin Laden. Um, killed Osama bin Laden. Do you think he's dead? Since you put the... Really, you don't. So I think that he was probably captured. Um, what's we crazy, haven't touched on this yet at no. all. We will at one point in time. What's crazy is that uh, he had um, a picture um, and an album of Avril Lavigne on his computer. One, uh, the one where she's got her arm around Justin Bieber. That was on his computer. Um, and then also uh, the whole like Skater Boy album was on his computer as well. As well as all of Naruto was on there as well. So he was a weeb just like me. Um, <laughs> well, he also had like 15,000 children too. I mean, yeah. As it might have been his kids. No, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm certain. Yep. 100% it is, it is uh, Mr. Mr. Laden. Uh, Mr. Bin Laden. And no. regardless of, of all of that, it just kind of strikes me as either a little little bit suspicious, not of Pakistan itself, but just a little bit suspicious of America of America's ties to Pakistan. Mm -hmm. Because what we did when we killed bin Laden was an open violation. An open violation. Because bin Laden was on Pakistani soil. So we, we shouldn't have even gone in there. We did not contact the Palestinian government or Palestinian... Pakistanian... Pakistan, oh my gosh. The government of Pakistan. I can't speak today. <laughs> the government of Pakistan's got... Like, we, we didn't talk to anybody before we just went in there and killed several of their citizens, including Osama bin Laden. And then we called the Saudi Arabian government on the seas to ask them what to do with his body. Anyways. Yeah, sorry, total side note. So Ziad would then return to his partner in Germany. Now, I say partner because I can't figure it out what she was to him yet. I am currently oh, reading dang. a book about them. I thought, it was, I thought we were doing a callback to the first episode. Oh. The gay love story of a century. <laughs> no, no. Also, disclaimer here. Anytime we laugh, it is not about the attacks at all. It's about us and our jackassery or like sometimes i mean <laughs> this is weird yeah it's like, there's the entire... a lot in this that doesn't make sense it's the insanity of it it's the lies we've been told um and it's the utter propaganda it's the, yeah the propaganda and the lies that we've been sold and told um and it's also i mean for i mean goodness sake it's either the complete incompetence of our government, which is also something to funny, funny to laugh at at any point in history. Always laughing at your government is always a great thing to do. Um, but, but we need to correct it, too. Like, that's what I don't understand is how come we haven't taken any act? Well, how come our government has gotten out scot-free when we have done horrific things over in Iraq and Afghanistan? And we've sent so many of our sons to go and die there. For, for what? For because what? Because 
the like we're I'm getting off on. Okay, yeah, sorry, I, sorry. I'm so sorry. Let's yeah, narrow like, it back like, down. Sorry, because yeah, this was an extremist group. It wasn't a country that did this. Anyways, back yes. to here. Let's zoom back in. So we're back. So yeah, he returns to Germany. I say this is his partner because I can't figure out right now. I'm currently reading a book about all of the hijackers. I'm just starting to get into his. Um, backstory, I guess you could say, before um, the attacks were committed. But he had um, a, a very serious partner, a girlfriend. I can't tell whether they were married or not before the attacks happened. That's kind of like, it depends on where it's being reported from of who she was, whether she was his fiance, his girlfriend. They were very serious, though. They dated for years. And a big part of contempt in their relationship was he did talk to her about his jihadist beliefs. Oh, yeah. So that ended up being a huge fight at one point. So he returns at this point in time. We're getting closer to the attacks in, in January of 2000. He returns to Germany and he tells her he's left his dreams of jihad behind. OK, he now wants to fulfill his dream of becoming a pilot. He says he's dreamt of this ever since he was a kid. He plans to go to flight school in Florida, and he tells her once he has his license, he would settle down and live wherever she wanted. He'd also cleanly shaven himself, gotten himself, which is different from the video that I'll, I'll put a clip of it up. He, like... Yeah, full he, on beard, right? Yeah, and this is apparently all part of Al-Qaeda, of them blending in. They do that to to look like they're not these religious, you know... Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I can't even think of the word right now, but that looked like they're not a part of it, right? Yeah. And in June, he would enter the United States. Another person would be trying to come into the United States in the summer of 2001 on August 4th. So Saudi-born man named Muhammad Al-Qahtani. We've talked about him a little bit in the first episode. Very small bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. He arrived at MCO, the Orlando International Airport, carrying $2,800 in cash. Now, his immigration officer that day was Jose Melendez Perez. According to Jose, Al-Qahtani was extremely irritable while he questioned him about his intentions in the United States. Al-Qahtani could also give no real reason for his travel into the United States, and he had no return flight or hotel reservation. Big red flags. Mm -hmm. Now. That's a real red flag. But no return flight, nowhere to stay, no hotel reservation. <laughs> That's, and yeah. Yeah. So Jose asked him, he's like, hey, when you leave the United States, like, what's your plan after? And I guess Al-Qahtani got so mad at him, he started pointing in his face and, and yelling at him that, like, it was none of his business. So... I get it, but that's not the place to fight that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, very interesting... He, Jose pushed back on this guy a lot mm -hmm. and his coworkers actually came up to him and said, Hey, like the guy's Saudi Arabian. We don't want you to get in trouble for denying him into the country. Yeah. In trouble for what? He's because, following protocols. No, the money that's coming in. That's what they were like. We don't want you to get in trouble for denying someone. And it's like, no, he had every right to deny this person, regardless of where this guy came from. He has no return flight home. Mm. Yeah, you can't do that when you travel across. And when it comes when it comes to Saudi Arabians traveling into the country, here's a crazy here's a crazy fun fact I learned. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them, a lot of the younger guys go on kind of like um, what the, what the Amish do, where it's like like a pilgrimage. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just like go and mm -hmm. hang out and like you know sow their wild oats, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, and. They ship their Lamborghinis over here. Holy Hannah. But see, that's why this is the United States. This is the, 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 the deal with the devil we've made in all of this. The money that is coming over, this is the reason why 
Jose felt immediately, he, he said this during the 9-11 commission, you can see the clip, maybe I'll be able to play it for you guys. Pointing his finger at my face stated that he did not know where he was going when he departed the United States. What first came to mind at this point was the subject was a hitman. A hitman doesn't know where he's going because if he's caught, that way he doesn't have anything or any information to bargain with. My wife said that I was watching too much movies. <laughs> Yikes. So... Jose had a feeling by the way this man carried himself as well and the way he answered questions that he had had some sort of military training at one point in his life. You can tell that about people. You, you yeah, them. like that's the, that's the craziest part mm -hmm. is that where I work at, I work in like hospitality and stuff. People will come in and hang out um, and I'm immediately able to tell. I'm in, If they were from the United States military mm -hmm. service, I'm able to figure out what branch of military service oh, they really? were. Based on how they carry them. Just based on how they walk. Now, on a technicality, Jose would be able to refuse entrance, yes, to Al-Qahtani, okay? He was put on a flight back to Dubai that very day. Now, on his way through the gate, this man who had, they'd been using a translator this entire time. He had claimed he could not speak English. On his way through the gate, he said, I'll be back. And waved. Huh. Now, before he was told to get out, Jose and him were arguing about whether he had somewhere to stay. And he let it slip that someone was waiting for him upstairs at the MCO airport. Okay? So Jose says, who's waiting for you? You know, like, where are you staying? Like, what's what's the plan? They ask you that. I mean, we go through the Canadian-American border oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been it's constantly a... asked that, and I'm I'm dual citizen. I shouldn't be asked that. It's an incredibly common question. Yeah. And honestly, if you are coming into the to the country either, like, super commonly or um, you aren't coming in super commonly, and if this is your first time, not only do they need to know that you are not going to be an issue for their tax system later on, mm -hmm. but they also need to know that you are going to be safe. Because as of right then, when they bring you into custody and they're actually talking to you, you are their responsibility now. Oh, yeah. And that's what he said. He's like, you're going to have some trouble, you know, if you don't have a place to stay or anything. And he said, no, I have someone here picking me up. And then he questioned him on who's picking you up. And the guy was like, oh, like, I didn't mean that. Like, there's nobody here. Come to find out during the 9-11 commission report there was credit card um, receipts that Mohammed Atta was in the Orlando airport that day making calls from a payphone to the Middle East, to numbers from the Middle East, supposedly to check up on Al-Qahtani's entrance into the U.S. Yeah. Jose. Bam. Dude, you... Yeah. You tried. And I... <laughs> you did the most out of any branch of our government did to stop this. Seriously. Seriously. So after 9-11, Jose attempted to call the FBI about his interaction with Al-Qahtani because he was like, bet, like, bet that guy had something to do with this, right? But besides the INS, so besides immigration, neither the FBI, the CIA, or any other fraction of our government contacted Jose about this event until the 9-11 commission report came around and wanted to ask him questions about his interaction with Al-Qahtani. There's the whole saying that I, I didn't learn in the military, but I heard a lot. And it's, uh, it's a couple P's. Piss poor planning prevents or procures piss poor results, right? He had really piss poor planning. And then when you talk about, not only in this episode did we talk about um, Ada, he was at the airport at the same day we could have pulled that stuff up. 
Like even back then, the same day we could have pulled that stuff up, and these were the same people that, while they were training, their flight training, mm-hmm. their flight trainers and everyone else was calling the FBI and Homeland Security, or not yes. Homeland Security, but the thing before that, um, was calling that. And, and reporting s- these men, because it's weird. This is all, like, within, like, weeks of each other. Literally within weeks of each other. And if you don't, I, I totally skipped over. In our first episode, we went through who Muhammad Otto was, but he's the ringleader of all of this over in the United States section of this, and he was the pilot of, of American 11. He was the first plane that hit the towers. You aren't, they're not being quiet about it. No. They're not being secretive about it. And my favorite is our government said, like, immediately after, this is such a side note, but we're going to go through it later, but mm. they said immediately after, like, these guys were super quiet, like, we had no idea, and the commission report called them out and was like, dudes, no, there was red flags all over the place, but our issue was is we weren't all talking to each other, and no one knows what the fuck the CIA was doing. Yeah. No one knows. We like, still to this day, like, why did they know who two of the terrorists were? Ziad would end up on a CIA watch list, too. Why, 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 why? Like, wa- watch list. Look, okay, if you're going to make something that's called a watch list, right? Watch the people that are on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's a watch list for a reason. Now, we're, t- <laughs> we're talking about the CIA here, oh, who all glow in the dark. Every single one of them is evil. You're talking about the CIA. This is an organization that destabilized South America to such a point that even today... Venezuela is struggling to feed themselves. So this this is the same thing. And they did that only a decade prior to 9-11. So you, re- you really want to look at me and tell me that the government wouldn't do that to us when they did it to so many citizens of not our country, but other countries. All of this, they were not quiet about it. They were so loud about it. And it was like... And it's like we didn't care. We didn't. Like, we, like I get it. I 100% get it. If I am talking to a fellow American, um, I will talk to them about all the flaws that we have in our country. And we have a lot of flaws. Our ignorance is, is one oh, of Oh, bananas. However, if I am talking to a non-American who's hating on America, I saw your not only did face. we get to the moon, we drew the stars and did stripes we, on the back of it. Did we get to the moon? We, if you're American, we didn't. If you're French, we did. But- <laughs> <laughs> The commission report, just to give a little bit more credence to what you were saying about Jose being, like, he's he did the most out of the government and is trying to stop this. It is believed by the commission report that Jose stopping Al-Qahtani from entering the, the, the country stopped him from being the fifth hijacker on United 93 and thus probably allowed the passengers aboard United 93 to successfully get the plane away from the target. Oh, yeah, because at the beginning you said there were only four. There's only four hijackers. That was the fifth. Jose! Yeah, it is Holy believed cow. that Al-Qahtani was the fifth. But we talked about this in the first episode. Al-Qahtani, um, he was eventually captured by us. He was brought to Guantanamo Bay. And he was tortured into insanity. We were supposed to be able to use his his witness testimony, his testimony yeah. against Zacharias. Um, I can never pronounce his last name. But the one person that was really criminally charged during this whole... For 9-11. And... Um, it was unusable. And just last year, actually, President Biden released Al-Qahtani back to his home um, because he oh, is hey, so sick. It's it's not like he's going to have a life. Like, this is... And this is the other thing. I mean, like, this this man's been pushed 
to, to such an extent. I'm not excusing any of his actions or anything that he might have I mean, done. He might, he, I mean, he might have been one of the fifth hijackers. However, it's we, not right. We're supposed to treat humankind with dignity. That we are supposed to have a charge, which the people in Guantanamo Bay, majority of them are, I don't think any of them are charged with anything. We call them detainees and not prisoners so that we can get around the Geneva Convention and keep these men, where a lot of them, if you look into it, are actually farmers and mm. not terrorists at all. And we have kidnapped them from their home and we have tortured them to the brink of insanity, if not fully to insanity, to the point that this man had to be returned home. Like, that's, that is not right. Since 9-11, we use that as an excuse for Homeland Security to just strip rights away, away from people. And when you start stripping rights away from people, it does not end with the people that we believe are responsible for this. Mm. That's a whole other tangent. Now, to get back to this, little heads up before we go any farther. There is a common misconception that the target of United 93 was 100% the U.S. Capitol building. We do not know this. It is believed it was the U.S. Capitol building because that was supposedly, according to Al-Qaeda, they believe that as our symbol of financial ties with Israel. However, I know, it's a weird thing. Not like the IRS or the Department of Treasury or anything like that? Okay. U.S. Capitol building. All right, cool. Yeah, continue. I don't get it. Um, however, we don't know. that Some believe it might have been the White House as well. So um, I know, I think... I feel like that would have been a much better... A much better target. Well, I don't. Than the I don't building. understand why we they like it, the Pentagon was chosen. I will never get that. I will never grasp the Pentagon. I can kind of understand when it comes to like military speak, but at the same time, even back then, we knew it was like fifty-five stories deep into the center of the earth, and they commune with demons or something down there. <laughs> like everybody knows that. So it's like, why would you attack just the outer shell of it? But on September seventh, all four flight 93 hijackers flew from fort lauderdale florida where they'd been training mm. to newark aboard spirit airlines which i just thought was interesting uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you've never flown spirit don't but i will say too this speaks so so this does kind of speak against the fbi did publicly claim the reason they chose they figured out who the hijackers were originally on united 93 was their arabic names right if all of these men and from what i could find they all flew on this one airline. It would speak to Ziad obviously being a part. Yeah. You know? Anyways. But all on, all on one airline. I think it was all on one flight. That I had a really hard time finding that. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. But I googled the shit out of that. And all I could find was they flew on Spirit Airlines. And it every sentence I saw made it sound like they were all on one flight. OPSEC is just not a thing for these people. What is OPSEC? Uh, operational security. Well, yeah, because if one if the plane goes down, if, oh, if anything happens, like on God, it's Spirit Airlines, right? <laughs> so you you are talking about like picture an Uber coming to pick you up. If you haven't if you haven't ridden with Spirit, let me let me paint you a picture. Picture picture an Uber coming to pick you and your eight friends up, and it, it is a two point it, it's a two point zero liter um, Mustang from '92. And it's a dude inside who reeks of weed and there's a bunch of empty liquor bottles in his front seat. And you and all of your eight friends have to get inside of it and just pray for the best. And somehow he gets you to your destination. Spirit Airlines, do not sue me, okay? Um, you guys are scary to fly with. I'm just going to say that. But you are really cheap, so I don't know. <laughs> like, eh. But at the same time, all on one flight. And not only all on one flight, names on tickets of all yeah. one single well, They were airline. loud. They were loud. 
Like, and we were just deaf, I guess. And these are the same people that people have been calling, calling about. They don't want to know how to take off or land the plane. They just want to know how to steer it when it's in the air. Hello? What are you talking about? Landing the plane is of the utmost importance. Like, even if you're only going to be a co-pilot, you have to know how to land the plane because what happens if your pilot is like a 69-year-old nice uh, guy <laughs> who, who is going to have a heart attack? You need to know how to land the plane. This is That is 100% a homeland security situation where you're like, okay, these people, there is something seriously wrong with these people. And then Jose, he's like, hey, there's something seriously wrong with this. We come to find out with the car- credit cards and everything like that. Uh, there's something seriously wrong? He is, he is in that airport. The main guy behind the whole thing is inside that airport. And nobody is taking it one lick seriously. One lick. And that is, this is mimicked in our modern day. With like oh, school yeah. shooters and stuff like that. Where we know their names. We know they are on watch lists and everything like that. And it still somehow happens. Okay. Well, if it's, you... the same, it's the same thing as the woman that cries domestic abuse constantly, constantly, constantly. And you call the police and they're like, yeah, make a record of it. But until he kills you, you know, we can't really do anything. You guys choose to use the phrase innocent till proven guilty in the court of law. So loosely sometimes. Oh, yeah. So absolutely loosely. No one is being quiet about this. Why? Okay. Yes. Sorry. Anyways, September 7th, they all fly. Same flight, right? Okay. Two days before September 11th, just a little after midnight on September 9th, Ziad Jara would be pulled over for driving 90 in a 65 mile per hour zone. Which state? Maryland. Interstate 95. That's a, I think it's a misdemeanor in that state. It is. Yeah. He should have been arrested. Like I'm telling <laughs> he was only issued a $270 ticket and told to appear in court the next day, which he did not make. That court appearance, you can find the video online of him being pulled over. You don't see him. You don't hear what he says. You can hear what the officer says to him, though. There was no warrant out for his arrest at the time of 9-11. According to a police officer, there was nothing suspicious, so he was told he was free to go. Some have speculated Ziad wanted to be arrested. Dang. In in Maryland, like you said, reckless driving laws are super loose there. So he should have been he should have been pulled over because you could be going five over mm. and they can arrest you. Which is why, mm-hmm. total side note, the Cannonball Run doesn't go through Virginia and it does not go through Maryland. What does that mean? It's a, a race across uh, the United States from basically oh. tip to tip. Oh. On either side, so far, uh, far northeast, and then far uh, southwest. I have never heard of this. So they don't go through those is this two illegal? states. This has got to be illegal. A lot of them are, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's it's from tip to tip. But they do not go through Maryland, and they don't go through Virginia because the the speeding, speeding laws laws. are so harsh there. Yeah. If you get caught, like she said, doing five over, it you is it's reckless driving. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so the cop obviously had no idea that Ziad was already on a CIA watch list. So that's also a breakdown in our communications because that should have come up. That should come up on your record. And that still doesn't pop up. That still does not pop up because clearly, once again, going back to like mass shooters and stuff like that, they are on an FBI or a CIA watch list and they are still able to purchase firearms, which if you didn't know, take a background check in the United States to actually be able to purchase. That should come up on a background check. It should. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? You. It should 100% disqualify you. Ziad would become known as the quote-unquote reluctant terrorist of the 19. He was a member that the commission 
uh, once reported to have said that he was the last best opportunity the United States intelligence had to avert 9-11 because he was the most susceptible to turning. Reportedly, he had already attempted to walk away from this mission at least twice before 9-11. So it is very possible he was trying to get arrested that day. Um, we'll go through it in his episode, but according to an article I read, he tried to flee once to Germany to go back with his partner, and when he arrived at the airport, one of the hijackers was waiting for him there. I'm surprised they didn't kill him. I am too, and his um, his relationship with Mohammed Atta was not a happy one. In fact, Al-Qaeda called it, quote-unquote, the unhappy marriage, and he was told and one of the times he tried to flee, that it would be a very expensive divorce if he tried to leave, whatever that means, if he tried to leave. Whoa. And I feel like to us over here, we don't understand the power of Al-Qaeda because, yes, it is a fanatical group and everything else, but what does that mean? You talk about Al-Qaeda like it's a bunch of, like, goat farmers with, you know, 22 single-action revolvers or something like that. Mm -hmm. These are people that have not only faced off against the United States, they have faced off with literally every single world superpower that has ever existed in the entire history of mankind, and somehow they are still there. Oh, yeah. You are talking about going against a military force with smart weapons that cost more than our entire budget for education inside the United States. And we left. Oh, yeah. We didn't defeat them. Whether he was trying to get arrested or not, this does not negate his culpability in this crime. Do yes. you know what I mean? But I, I just want to put that in because I think it can sound too like I'm excusing things or I'm like, oh, this poor guy, he got mixed up and he got too far. You know, and that's not what I'm If saying. it's one thing that you can guarantee on this podcast, we will give no excuses to anybody, including <laughs> ourselves. So on September 10th, Todd Beamer returned home with his wife from a five-day trip to Italy. His company had gifted him for his work ethic. At the time, the couple had two boys and a third on the way. The very next day, Todd was scheduled for a quick work trip from San Francisco to San Francisco from Newark. He was to fly home that afternoon, so he wasn't even supposed to be gone. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's that transcontinental flight that we've talked about before, where going across the country, the terrorist hopes were you have enough jet fuel to really burn through whatever they hit. At Newark Airport, the morning of September 11, 2001, two of the terrorists checked bags and two did not so Hasnawi was scheduled was selected just like Muhammad Ada had been for the cap system so that computerized security system for them to scan his luggage for explosives now Ada's luggage never made it on the plane that's how we have the letter and a few other things from Ada this guy's luggage did so it was it was boarded on so I don't okay. know if they just didn't get to Ada's or what the deal was right because there were no the, the terrorists didn't bring any explosives on the plane it was probably it's probably honestly it's like an airport like think about like how airports are if you've ever ever traveled via air mm-hmm. your luggage has inevitably been lost now something but... we didn't mention in the first two episodes because those two flights left from Boston Logan right so Remember how in the first episode, so we had video footage of uh, Muhammad Atta going through Portland because they did that weird trip to Portland and then traveled to, to Boston. Yeah. We don't have anything from Boston because at the time, Boston Logan's airport did not have closed circuit security. Yeah, over their what? Foot cameras. I, this is what I'm saying. And it's not just them. Newark didn't have it either. 
That makes no sense. And that's why conspiracy theorists are like, did, were they even on the planes? Because there's nothing. There's no footage to show these men landed on those planes. The people that did the security checkpoint for these men, um, as they put, went through, they said that there was nothing suspicious about them that morning. They were all interviewed later, obviously, by the FBI. Said there was nothing off about them. But we don't have any video footage to say, like, you know, in Dulles, they did the extra security measure where they wanted them and everything. We have that footage. We can say those men went through and were wanted and all of that, but yeah. The four men boarded the plane between 7.39 and 7.48. All four had seats in the first-class cabin. By 8 a.m., all 19 hijackers had surpassed all the security layers that America's civil aviation system had in place to prevent a hijacking. So they have all made it through at this point. Now, the original plan for all the men that had hijacked the aircraft was to hit their targets within 10 minutes of each other. Mm. Just bam, bam, bam. But United 93 would be delayed by 41 minutes that morning at Newark Airport. And it's a mess, Marcus. It's a mess. So they took off just minutes before American Airlines 11 hit the first tower at 846 is when they hit, but 842 was when United 93 took off. So they just, like, because you could see it from the airport. You could see the Manhattan skyline from that airport. It had been a really busy morning, too, that morning at Newark Airport. About a dozen jets were lined up on the tarmac by 846 when the first plane hit the towers. Several pilots would call air traffic control to ask to turn back to the gates because their passengers were so upset by what they had seen when the second plane hit the tower. And uh, Newark Tower, 1133. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're going to have to go back to the gate. We have people on board that saw this thing, and uh, they're hysterical. So uh, if you can't try to keep it open for us, we're going to have to go back to the gate. They said something terrible has just happened over New York City. It appears an aircraft has struck a building. It looks like we may not be going anywhere for a while. But that message missed. United 93 was already gone from the airport. So when they took off that morning, they were carrying a lighter load than usual. They had seven crew members, 33 passengers, and only four hijackers. Yes. Only 33, 33 passengers? Mm-hmm. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. But this delay in Newark would give the passengers aboard United 93 something the other hijacked aircraft did not have. Time to plan their counterattacks. So what we know about what happened on United 93 is due to the heroism of those on board who made over 37 phone calls between from when it was hijacked at 9.28 in the morning until it crashed at 10.03. 35 of those calls were made from air phones, which I just want to put out there. I did get a comment on one of my videos that said there was no way to possibly make phone calls back then um, from planes. There was. Um, there was a thing called an air phone. Who and commented that? Instagram, man. Um, you took your credit card, you swiped through, it called down to earth. It's a thing. We'll put up a photo of it. I think, um, we, should, I think we should bring those back, honestly. I, I love I, them. I really liked the idea, but... Yeah. Anyways, I always wanted to use one. Mom wouldn't let me. She's like, it's rude. We're on a plane. <laughs> it's rude. It's expensive. Yeah, it's yeah. expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the end of the flight, they were at an altitude where cell phone calls could be made out. So at least two of those were made from cell phones. Wow. I okay. know. I know. So they were there for a while then oh, at yeah. that altitude. Okay. Yeah. So these calls were made to the authorities, United Airlines, and to family members and loved ones. And unlike the two planes that hit the tower and the one that went to the Pentagon, the black box of United 93 survived completely. So I know it was damaged, the one that went through the Pentagon, but this one 
survived and is intact. Now, the model black box aboard United 93 had a recording limit of 30 minutes, which I think is the same for the one for um, American 77, and it would just rewrite itself. So we only have the final 30 minutes of United 93. Now, FAA regulations state that it's a federal crime to publish that black box recording. So we've never heard the recording. However, there is a redacted transcript from United 93. Now, that also fuels conspiracy theorists because why can't we hear it? We don't have it in full. I, I will say to myself, mind you, I don't have family members aboard that plane. I don't know how I would feel if I did. But I do think a black box recording, that should be made fully public transcription-wise and I think recording-wise as well. Because... I'm going to say something, and this is probably the military coming out of me. I want to know what was going on on the greatest attack on American soil since Pearl Harbor. I want to know what was going on. Because we know what was going on with Pearl Harbor. We know everything that happened with Pearl Harbor. I think it does us a disservice when we have secret, like when our government's able to keep things from us. Yes. I think, like, that's... I just think with something like this, especially with how huge it was and how many conspiracy theories there are out there, I think it would put a lot of things to rest if we had the fuller picture of things. Yes, if you if you the best the best tool to destroy conspiracies and a bunch of different negative things coming out about your country is just to accept if you were in the right or the wrong mm -hmm. and publish things. So on September 11th, Ed Ballinger, a Chicago-based dispatcher, was responsible for a total of 16 flights that day, two of which had been hijacked, United 175 and United 93. Now, after learning the fate of United 175, which was the second plane to hit the towers, at 9.20, he began to send out an urgent message to those that were still in the air through a system called ACARS, which stood for Aircraft Communication and Response System. The, it would type out, beware any con cockpit intrusion. Two aircraft in New York hit Trade Center builds. Well, that's, first off, the first member, the, the first section of that message, beware any co cockpit intrusion. Mm -hmm. It's unprecedented. I, like I would hope you would beware if somebody was knocking on the door and a cockpit in a plane. Not back then, though, you know. I suppose, but... At the Not same, back then. That is I that's remember, asinine to me. I remember as a kid being able to go and sit in the cockpit. And you got her wings. Remember? Oh, the yeah. Wings? Little Delta wings. Yeah. So, at 9.24, Captain Jason Dahl, who was the captain aboard United 93, received this message from Ed... And he seemed confused by it, so he responded, Ed, confirm latest message, please, Jason. Ed was already overwhelmed with having to send out this message to everyone that he could, because I'm pretty sure he had to do it single to each one, right? And he didn't get back to him. I don't even know if he saw it. And at 9.28, so just like four minutes later, not even, is when air traffic, air traffic controllers heard a struggle inside the cockpit of United 93. As it dove, now it's... I don't know who made the error, but it either dove 700 or 7,000 feet. I read different accounts everywhere, but it dove. That is a vast difference. There's a huge that is difference. That is an insane difference. So uh, the commission says 700 feet, so I'd be more lenient to go with what the commission says. But I read articles that said 7,000. So I, I'm unsure, so I put them both. They want to swing. <laughs> 
Yeah, if uh, Air Canada continues this climb, can you take him climb to 35 or 39? Uh, uh, doesn't look like it. Uh, doesn't look like it. Doesn't All right, good. All right. Thanks. Somebody call Cleveland. Roger, American uh, 1060 with you. We're 370. We're uh, slowing uh, due to the uh, delays possible. We're going, uh, going eastbound. That's American 1960. Yeah. After this happens, air traffic control is trying to raise United 93. They're like, what's going on? They've already seen, they're aware of the other yes. two hijacking. So we are now in the know. They're like, hey, what's going on? At 932, just like Ada is when an announcement's made. So they announced that they had a bomb on board. Again, we talked about this in the other um, episodes. That they, a lot of them either supposedly witnessed a bomb. I think um, it was Amy Sweeney in the first episode that said she saw the bomb on the hijackers. Mm. These are believed to be faked because there were no explosive there was no evidence of explosives found mm -hmm. supposedly on the planes, which also does lead to conspiracy theorists wondering about a controlled demolition as well, which we will talk about when we talk about the towers. I believe this is just like Ada, whereas the odd radios and he only gets air traffic control, he's not talking to the cabin. However, the cabin is very much aware that they have been hijacked. Because they killed the pilots, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's there's there's questions as to whether the pilots were killed or not. Um, there was, okay, so there was the trial for Zacharias, right? Mm. And one of the wives of one of the captains, and I'm not sure which one, um, but I had read an article where she thought she could heard him, hear him moaning in the background. Mm -hmm. So we're not sure if they were just incapacitated, but it is believed they were murdered. They believe that that, that was Ziad Jara telling them, you know, remain seated, all of that. You know, the normal, what, what we've come to know is the normal response from these guys. For whatever reason, they're letting them know they've been hijacked and everything else. Mm -hmm. Now... Unlike the rest of the hijackings, this one was known to FAA within minutes by 934 because of this. And at this point in time, United 93 climbed to 40,700 feet. So air traffic controllers are moving every plane as possible out of their way. Mm. Okay? And this is... they The controller that heard Ziad's message to what he believed was the cabin... He asked him to repeat it, not because he didn't understand what he said. He was just trying to get additional time and to call his supervisor over so it could go up the chain of command. Uh, calling Cleveland Center, you're unreadable. Say again slowly. Uh, say again, uh, is that United 93? They continually tried to raise and radio United 93, but there was no response until 939 when another accidental 
transmission comes through. Now remember, on the ground, there's still utter confusion. NORAD had heard nothing about American 77, the plane that hit the Pentagon, that was missing for over 30 minutes in airspace. So remember, they have no concept that that even went on. They know what's going on in New York, the end, because of what hit the towers. Okay. And remember, they only learned about American 11, like, what, five minutes before yeah. we went through that in the first episode. And at 921, just before United 93 was hijacked, there was another impression that American 11 was still airborne. Yes. The military had radioed about that he was the third hijacker, and he's still in the air, and we've got to find him. They think he's heading over Washington. They're not sure. Okay. Uh, American Airlines is still airborne. 11, the first guy, he's heading towards Washington. Okay, I think we need to scramble Langley right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take the fighters from Otis and try to chase this guy down if I can find him. Yeah. You sure? Okay. He's heading towards Langley, or I should say Washington. American Eleven, the original guy who's still airborne. And we still don't know. The commission does not know where that information came from, right? Now, in all of this confusion, at 9.24, Langley was radioed by NEODS, which is the Northeast Air Defense Center, to get fighters over Washington area. Those fighters were airborne by 9.30. At 9.36, FAA's Boston Center calls NEODS to relay the discovery of an unidentified aircraft heading towards Washington. That's American 77. Mm -hmm. They say it's six miles east of the White House. Now, just to clarify, in our last episode, we talked about how American... Airline 77 looked like it was headed to Washington. Yes. And I was re listening to Garrett Graff's podcast, Long Shadow, this week in preparation for this episode. And he said, like, the air traffic controllers that were interviewed, they said they were counting down the miles. Like, they thought this plane is going to hit the White House, right? Yeah. And then last minute, it turns and heads towards the Pentagon, hits the Pentagon. We don't know why that happened. Interesting. But during this time, they called, they're like, hey, get fighters like over there. Okay. So they attempt to scramble them over towards Washington, but surprise, the Langley fighters were not headed north towards Baltimore. They were headed east towards the ocean because of those, remember the war games we were talking about earlier? Ah, uh, yes. The military yeah. had been preparing. They were training for us going to war with Russia, which is not funny, haha, but kind of funny compared yeah. to where we are today because, hello. But that was what they were doing. So according to... Those that were in the F-16s, they didn't know what they were looking for when they were up in the air. They weren't looking for a commercial airliner. They were looking for Russians. Like, they had no clue. They're headed east towards the ocean, but after the Pentagon was struck, they were informed of another possible hijacking, another transcontinental flight, Delta 1989. Not United 93. Yes, sir. Uh, we're told Delta is a hijack and may have a bomb, so we don't know. It's uh, the information coming from the pilot has been really unreliable and shaky. Okay. And, and approach, this is Carlton. I'm working on He is going direct to the airport now. He requested it. Okay. Delta 1989 was not one of the hijacked aircraft, but it was also a transcontinental flight. They just assumed... Um, I, I figure all transcontinental airline or flights in the air at that point would be a threat, which mm -hmm. is terrifying to think about. Here's the crazy thing. Even if those fighters had found United 93, 
There had been no order given from the White House yet on what to do with them. And the only two people that could have ordered the shoot down of a commercial airliner that day was President George W. Bush or Donald Rumsfeld. Mm. That's it. The end. Secretary of Defense. The end. And we're going to get to the point of that's not who gave the shoot down order. Because yeah. a shoot down order does come out. And, and good, it comes out way too late. And good luck getting a hold of any single one of those people. Well, seriously. Either of those people. Like, seriously, good luck. And you are de- you're dealing with minutes. You have minutes to make a decision. Seriously. So, anyways, yeah. No. So, this order wouldn't come until about 1030, okay? And it was from a whole other source we're going to talk about in the next episode. And NORAD never heard anything about the other hijacked aircraft headed towards Washington, D.C., United 93. So they never heard anything about that. And yet later, they would try to claim to the 9-11 Commission, and they claimed in the media, that United 93 would have never made its target because we were going to take it down. That's not true. United 93 had already crashed because of the brave civilians on board that took control of that plane or tried to take control of that plane. If that had not happened, United 93 would have made its target whatever that target was supposed to be that day. And we're going to talk about the hijacking in the next episode. So we will see you all actually next week, not next, next week this time. We're going to get this all done and off to you all. Um... But I hope you enjoyed um, this first episode about United 93. I hope we like were able to shed some light on this because, honestly, it shed a lot of light for me on our governments. I apologize if it was a bit uh, ranty. We're very tired of just life right now <laughs> um, and also our government for several different reasons, including 93. Like I said, I, have, I didn't know most of what you told me because really? I, I stayed away from it. Like... I, only, I didn't read the explanation of any conspiracy theory or anything like that. I just stuck to the conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. I was going to draw my own uh, opinions on it and all the rest of it. Um, and then work on um, the why that's, that's ridiculous or why that might kind of make sense um, after we talked a little bit more about it. So... Yeah, next week we'll talk about, there was over 37 calls made, like I said earlier in this episode. We're going to talk about those phone calls. We're going to talk about the possibility of a fifth plane. And we are going to talk about Marcus's conspiracy theory corner um, on this episode. Um, I will say, for me, I get a little, and maybe this is like that American patriotism because we were raised in that, I mean, right after Mm. 9-11, all of that. I do get touchy when it comes to United 93. Yes. In the sense of conspiracy theories but i feel very strongly about the people that were on board united 93 and what they did that day and how many lives they saved um yes but we will be talking about all of that in the next episode but yeah Mm -hmm. until until next week until next week we'll see you guys later